Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano, at Mickey Canuck on Twitter. Hit up the show on Twitter as well, at Locked On Leafs. Hit up my good pal, Brandon, as well, who's here joining us as the special guest co-host for today's episode. We're going to be recapping the trade deadline, and then we'll also discuss the horrible, horrible Zamboni game, which it will be hopefully the last time. We discussed this because it was embarrassing. I have a feeling that uh, Leafs fans will never live it down. No, <laughs> as, and as they shouldn't. Like, and as they should. Sec- I, I, I've had secondhand embarrassment because of that loss. Like, how do you lose to a 42-year-old Zamboni driver who works for you? Who works for you. It, it's <laughs> embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. Uh, just when you thought that it couldn't get any worse for the Leafs after Tuesday's performance they came out had a great one on Thursday against Pittsburgh and then that happened I hate the Leafs man <laughs> oh man it was it was terrible so we'll we'll touch on that uh, in just a little bit but yesterday was the NHL trade deadline so we do got to talk about that let's focus on what the Leafs did or didn't do uh yesterday I think Tyson Berry was a player who a lot of uh, maybe a good portion of the fans thought that Barry would would be moved and Barry should be moved. Now, there's a report coming out that Bob McKenzie is saying that Tyson Barry, there wasn't as much traction as maybe they had hoped for, and it seemed like the, that the packages that they were getting back for Barry seemed to mimic uh, Sammy Votnin and Eric Gustafson's. And when you take a look at those, it was like Votnin for a two and Gustafson for a three. At that point, you probably are thinking, all right, well, let's hold on to Tyson Berry then going forward. Or would you still have rather the second round pick going forward instead of uh, an expiring contract, considering that this team, A, might not make the playoffs, and B, certainly are not cup contenders with the roster that they have? Yeah, um, to be honest, I feel like if the packet, if the return was similar to Gustafson and Vatnin, then I'm kind of okay with the Leafs standing pat on Tyson Berry. Like Tyson Berry is clearly like a better player than Sammy Vatnin and and Eric Gustafson. Like he's clear, he's a clear upgrade on those two. And I think if you're getting something in that realm for Tyson Berry, what's the point of of moving on from him? You might as well just roll the dice and see where it goes, right? Like, because if you're getting a second round pick back for Tyson Berry and that's it, like that's not gonna help. That's not gonna make anything better. So that's something you can flip for another asset, right? Like, and I think that's the least plans. That was the least plan, right? They wanted something they could flip in another deal. Like, if that wasn't there, then it wasn't there, right? It, it, the thing with it, 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 at least if you got a second round pick, you could say uh, it's flippable in the future, right? Like, you could move it at the draft or something. Whereas Barry, I don't think you're going to be, you would have been able to move that at the draft. Um, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't so thrilled with how things kind of how the Leafs did on the deadline. They didn't really do anything. They picked up 1.4, million dollars in cap and not in cap space. So without cap, right? So so I was, I was going to get there. So (laughs) somehow the Leafs were able to weaponize their cap space. I'm using air quotes, cap space, to get a fifth-round pick because they were the middleman between Vegas and Chicago. They took on $1.1 $1. $1 million, $1. $1 million of cap hit 
for Robin Leonard, and they gave away Martin Zirkles for a fifth-round pick. So essentially they bought a fifth-round pick for taking on $1.1 million in cap space. So, I mean, I guess with with Andreas Janssen being on LTIR for the rest of the season, they figured, okay, so we do have some cap space. We're not making any deals today. doesn't look like it. So why don't we use that space that we created and just weaponize it and try and buy another asset considering that we're pretty depleted at the draft in draft picks right now with all the deals that we've made. So they they collected a fifth round pick essentially for for just cash. They bought a fifth round pick for cash. Yeah, like, kind of. It, honestly, it's kind of funny. <laughs> it's just <laughs> coming into the deadline. Who would have said that? Oh yeah, the least cap space is going to be uh, up there on the trade bait board. <laughs> like yeah, no. What? It was so confusing when I saw it go down. I was like. I can only assume it was one of the very last-minute deals. Right? It was, like, yeah, it was at, one like, of the last at, deals. At, at, like at the point where the Leafs knew they weren't getting a defenseman, they knew they For weren't sure. trading Barry. Like, I get it, but also, and also, it, the the thing is, it just doesn't really matter. <laughs> well, like, no, and, it's it's very inconsequential. Yeah, like this move isn't a needle mover by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it's a fifth-round pick. Like, it's that's really it. But the the, the thing is, why? Like, why bother? But I guess every pick counts, you know. Fifth round pick, you could end up with a Jamie Ben in the future. Yeah, but you never know, right? You never know, like, and it, it wouldn't hurt to have that extra chance, but it doesn't really cost you anything, right? Yeah, well, you know, it costs you legitimate cash, but when you're MLSE, you don't care. Uh, <laughs> you really don't. So that was one interesting, interesting move that they made. The other one, uh, they were able to get an asset for Michael Hutchinson. However, picking up Cali Rosen, bringing him back into the fold, which I thought was a really interesting deal. And Dubas had said in his post presser, they didn't want to give up Rosen in the trade for for Tyson Berry. He was somebody who they had wanted and, and targeted, and that was someone they wanted in return. So they included him in the deal. But a chance to bring him back to the organization, a guy who they know, a guy who they feel might be able to play some serviceable minutes in the NHL. Uh, at least he adds depth to the position. Um, they really, really want to bring him back. And moving out Michael Hutchinson for him, I think that you can consider a very small win for Toronto on deadline day. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I like the Rosen move. Like He's kind of a – like he's a – decent depth fit for the Maple Leafs where you can, at least it gives you another option to play in the seven D spot. That's not Martin Morenson. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like it gives you something else. And it's a guy, you know, that succeed has succeeded under Keefe. Like he flourished with the Marlies, right? Exactly. Like I, I get it. It's a pretty low, it's a low gamble and a reasonable bet. What was the thing going into the year before the, the trade went down for Tyson Berry, Callie Rosen was one of those players that the Leafs had penciled in as the third pairing left, shot defenseman yeah so bringing him back into the fold clearly they didn't think this guy can play in the nhl and now that it's not babcock and it's sheldon keith wouldn't be surprised if he does get those minutes you know like i think it, when you look at it and they've been trying to swap guys on the right just kind of fix just jumbling up the defensive pairings yeah. a little bit <laughs> you know i don't know if rosen can play on the right side but it seems like they don't mind moving Dermot over to the right, or they haven't. They didn't. Mind, they even tried Sandine out on the right, see if he could do something over there. Um, and if they can move one of those guys out on the right, Callie Rosen slots in as that third defensive pairing. I think it's that's probably no. I think it's something that they were looking to do going down the road, um, <laughs> thinking that he'd be probably be a little bit better than than Timothy Lilligren at this moment in time. And going down when you're making a playoff run, 
you know, you make that little incremental, uh, incremental addition. Uh, and that's pretty much all it was. They made another tiny deal, uh, which is very inconsequential. I'm sur- I'd be surprised if you even knew what it was. I don't it's even know what it is. <laughs> literally a uh, minor league deal. What was it here? Hold on one second. Yeah, it was with the... <laughs> it was with the Islanders. They traded away Jordan Schmaltz to the Islanders for Matt Lorito. So, oh wow, what a steal! Yeah, no, it was <laughs> that was legitimately just uh, uh, AHL, deal. just a whatever. Yeah, it was just a whatever trade. It really was nothing. Um, overall, uh, for you though, not adding, sticking the course, staying to the course. Was that a fail in your mind for Kyle Dubas, or do you think he made the right decision? Yes and no. Like, I think... Get off the fence. Pick. No, I'll tell you why it's yes and no. I think that he definitely should have added to... Like, I, I think he needed to add a defenseman, personally. Like, without a doubt. Like, there's... I don't know how you go into the playoffs this year without making yourself have another defenseman that well, you can serviceably, serviceably play the rest of the year. you'll be adding Morgan Riley... And Cody Cece. At least Morgan Riley. <laughs> like, <laughs> at, like, technically, that will be an addition to this team that they haven't had in, in a couple months now. I don't know, man. I think the Leafs have always needed a pair, a defense partner for Morgan Riley that's better than Ron Hainsey, that's not Cody Cece. I don't know why they. I, I mean, maybe it just wasn't there, but if I'm Kyle Dubas in that scenario, I make it happen either way. You know what I mean? Like, the Leafs are are that desperate, right? But the thing is, the thing I appreciated for Kyle Dubas for not doing it was that he didn't make a move out of desperation that'll eventually cost the Maple Leafs. Right? If, like he didn't he didn't overpay or 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 willing or just do something stupid that he would regret later, just out of a flash reaction. Which I thought was a, it, I think it was a, it was probably the smart choice. I don't know if it's the right choice. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying here, but to me, I, I, it kind of signaled something to me, and I'm sure it also signaled something to the fans. Like I remember hearing what Ken Holland said yesterday after making the move to bring in both Tyler Ennis and Athanasiu and Mike Green actually. So they made three additions and three separate trades. And when he was talking to the media, he said. Look, my guys went out there and they forced me to go out and make additions to this team. They proved that they're contenders and we, you know, that I felt that I needed to add and help them because they deserve it. I feel like Dubis didn't get that sense from the yeah, Leafs. The Leafs gave him the opposite, man. They they did they've done nothing but prove to Toronto that and they're Kyle not the, ready. That they're not ready. And if they're not ready, then Dubis in his mind is saying, "Well, I can't keep sacrificing the future." for this season if this season's not going to be a winning one. And, I mean, after Saturday night's performance... How could you think it's going to be, right? Like Not just Saturday night. Like, I don't want to be even that short-sighted. Like, over the last couple of weeks, months even, the last, last two month, weeks, they've got blown out, like, four times. Like, since 2020. Like, <laughs> Anderson has five wins in 2020? Oh, my God. I like, know. you're almost two months in. He's got five wins. And his injury only cost him three games, so it's not like he missed a significant amount of time. Yeah, I, I, I can't like, say I blame Dubas, man. Like, I, I think he should have traded for a defenseman still, but I can't blame him. <laughs> like, 
It's the same thing with like the Jets, man. Like where the Jets, like they even added. But uh, Kevin Shabdaf was mentioning that, like, or no, I I listened to Overdrive or something the other day, and they were talking about like how uh, the Jets earned the trust of Shevelyev to actually go out and add and give them some help. Yeah. And they added DeMello and Cody Eakin, who are actually pretty nice pieces. Yeah. They actually fit pretty well in Winnipeg. Dylan DeMello's going to fit in the top four. Uh, Cody Eakin's a decent third-line Well, he line fills center. in for Adam Lowry, yeah. who's, who's been out for a little bit, and it's kind of cost them in their mind, so they kind of filtered him into their into that role a little bit. Um, no, I, 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 I totally see where you're coming from there. Uh, it just the Leafs didn't do anything to make Dubas make a move. Yeah. And, and I'm curious if Saturday night was kind of a, ugh, maybe we're not where we think we are. Well, did you see, did you see the way, did you watch it? Did, did you see the way he turned, Dubas turned away at the, uh, like halfway through the third period, he just walked out of the press box and was like, yeah. like he was so unbelievably angry. It was all of us. Yeah, I know. So we were all Dubas in that moment. It's like, are you, are you kidding me? Um, but speaking of Dubis, you know, there's a lot of fire coming down on him right now for the non-moves, for the missteps along the way. If this team doesn't make the playoffs, is Dubis out of a job this summer? I don't think so. I don't think Shanahan's that quick to to draw the line there. I think that a lot of Dubis's moves the last year or two haven't necessarily been moves for him to improve the team they've mostly been moves to erase prior problems if that makes sense like the marlo contract and the zaitsev for cc trade those are trades that like the leafs were doing to that dubas made to undo some of the issues with this team but i don't think he's really had the chance yet to prove to brandon shanahan or the maple Leafs as a whole that he actually does have a, a plan Right, like, and like he's not really fulfilled his plan yet, and I don't think he's had the chance to just yet. So I think he he gets another he gets a, his leash a little longer than it should be, than it would be. But not everything's easy. Like you're always gonna have hurdles, and just because you had a couple of hurdles to start, like every GM has them. Yeah, you know, like so I, I that seems like an excuse to me. Like he, at this point, I think that a he's been with the team long enough where. He was involved in a lot of decisions that were made even during the Lou Lamorello era. And he moved on from a lot of them. And this is like his team that he has now. And a lot of the moves that he's made, a lot of the signings that he's made have been the real hindrance on this team. Like the fact that you have so much money locked up in, in your your top four forwards up front, you have no money to improve your back end, which is just decimated. And that's a big problem. And that's something that he kind of created by not standing firm in negotiations and literally giving each and every one of those players top dollar. Every single one of them. Yeah. I, I, think, I think the criticism is fair. Like, I think he absolutely deserves to be, to be scrutinized and, and his moves to be, I think they deserve to be, like, questioned. That's for sure. Like, I think he's earning criticism but i don't think that him not making a move or him or at least missing the playoffs i don't think that's the be all end all either i don't think that i don't think that's it for him like i think i think brandon shanahan has faith in what kyle dubas has 
can do, right? Brandon Shanahan, I, be- I believe, believes in Kyle Dubas. Like, why would he, why would he hire him otherwise? No, I, I, and I told, I understand that, but it, it's if it if they don't make the playoffs, clear. I mean, I guess it's not clear, but like, eh, there's a pretty good chance that Dubis's vision of the way that he wants this team to play just isn't reality. Like, it's 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 just not a recipe for success. There has to be more elements to a team than just going out there being a five nine winger with a little bit of ruggedness and scoring like Dennis Mulligan. I don't know. I think Dubas, like, I feel like Dubas has done, done his part to try and rectify that issue. To be honest with you, like he, how? he, he brought, brought in, in Clifford, Clifford. That's it. Trade for Jake Muzzin, add some size, some grit. Like he's made moves to actually like that affect that. Like he, he does, he has, they just haven't worked out for whatever reason, whatever, whatever's going on with Toronto. There's just something that hasn't worked out. And I don't, I don't know why, he doesn't know why, but it's Kyle Dubas is now to figure out why, right? Exactly. Like that's what it is. And generally, I believe he will. He can figure it out in the off season. Like uh, he's got time. I, I don't know. think. He, I, I don't. Th- I think the leash is short, man. This is a market that is is there was Stanley Cup aspirations, Stanley Cup aspirations this season, and if you don't even make the playoffs, the fans are going to show up to Scotiabank Arena demanding his head on a platter. Oh no! I I don't get me wrong. I totally think he deserves. I think the fans have the right to to want his head. Like I actually do get it. But I also think that the Leafs are smarter than that, and they're not going to make quick yeah. judgments on Kyle Dubas. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, one of the moves that they did actually make yesterday it wasn't quite a, a trade, but a signing. They announced the re-signing of Jake Muzzin, which is huge. I think getting him locked up. Uh, going forward, four years, $5.625 million. I like the term. I like the money. It's fine. Yeah. I, like, I can, I like it. I can't be like, you can't fault him for that. No, that was right, right away where I thought he was going to come in. Five and a half, six million. And it's right there, kind four of in years. the middle, pretty much, and only at four years. So it seems like, you know, as a guy who's, what is he, 30, 31 at this point? I think so. So that's. Pretty much taken on until he's pretty much 35. And at that point, he's probably not going to be, he'll be a shell of himself. So he's not going to be locked into the twilight years where you're looking at that contract going off. They also paid him in like a bunch of bonuses. So it's like an easy, like they could easily trade him to Arizona or, or normally I'd say Florida, but Florida's not really in that boat anymore. But you could trade him to the Arizonas, the Columbuses, get some money off the books. Yeah. Get some cap space off the books. Like, but a good signing, nonetheless. Something oh, yeah. had to be done. Yeah, no. It, it, honestly, like like Drager's been saying, I feel like that deal's been done forever. <laughs> and this might, this Dubas is just kind of waiting to see what the Cavs situation would be before he finalized it. This might be a question. This might be a conversation for a different day, and I think it will be. But I'm going to pose the question, maybe to the listeners, also pose it to you. But maybe don't give me an answer on it quite yet. If you are the coaching staff. And Kyle Duvis, do you consider shaking up your leadership group and slapping an A on Muzzin in the future? I need it. That's a good question. It's a good question, and it's something that I want you to think about, something I'm going to think about. Maybe I'll talk about it tomorrow. But it's it's something that I think you have, because he's, he's the guy who's out there every single day he speaks for the team, speaks man. Speaks for the team, speaks his mind. 
He's honest. And he he's tells right. it, man. He tells he's it. He's honest. As it is. He's right. Exactly. I, he backs up his performance. Yeah. I don't know. So I, I, you know, like he's, he's. I know he is a leader in the room, despite not having an A on his letter or a, a letter on his on his jersey. But maybe going into next year, something changes, and he ends up with a letter. Maybe rotates it with somebody else, like how Matthews and and Marner rotate theirs. Maybe have uh, Riley and Muzzin rotate A's on the back end. That's tough. I don't. I don't know. If, I don't know if the Leafs are at a point where they can strip Riley of the A. Man, Riley. Riley's paid his due diligence in the yeah. Leafs locker room, yeah. right? Well, maybe just completely strip it from one of those other two. Like, yeah. I don't know. Anyways, that's just something that kind of popped into my mind. My that would be drastic, but I I could see the logic. Maybe we'll chat about it sometime this week. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, up next, we'll kind of branch out into the league and, and talk about the trade deadline. As a whole, we'll get the winners, the losers, and kind of talk about the, the biggest deals from the day, and that'll be next. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Leafs podcast. Mike DeStefano with you alongside Brandon Cameron. The trade deadline has come and it has gone. Lots of deals yesterday. 31 deals, which is the most that we've seen in the last seven years. 32. 32. 30, it, it's 31 transactions, but 32 if you include the Leafs, dude. If you include the Leafs picking up the cap space for... Uh, that was a three-way deal, though. Yeah, but it counts as two separate transactions. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. So well. it's 32. <laughs> okay, 32, I guess, transactions uh, gone through uh, yesterday on trade deadline day. It was a busy day. It was a fun day. Um, I spent the day at TSN kind of being in the war room there, which was really freaking cool, not going to lie. Uh, growing up, the trade deadline was one of my favorite days on the calendar. Oh, yeah. Not, like I, oh, I, yeah. I was that, that loser, hockey nerd who skipped school and uh, watch it every single day. I know you did as well because oh, yeah. we probably did together a couple of times. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I just love the trade deadline, everything that goes towards it, leading up to it. Um, I, and it was so much fun actually just being there at TSN and kind of being a part of things, seeing how everything works, getting a chance to talk to some of the insiders, chance to talk to some of the players and personalities that were there. Um, it was it was a lot of fun. And uh that was just, you know, surface level. Then on top of that, the excitement of the trades that were actually happening alone. Um, so we're going to go through them, kind of talk about what happened around the league. Uh, let's start with the winners. Who were your winners of the deadline yesterday? Oh, Carolina's number one on my list for sure. Yeah. They got Vince Trocek, a really good number two centerman. They got a steal for Vince Trocek. They got a like, steal for Vince Trocek. They got Brady Shea, a top four defenseman. Sammy Vatnin, a top six defenseman who can – Slide in their top four for a little bit until Pesci comes back. Like they made all like bandits. <laughs> yeah, no, they 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 really did improve that team a and lot. And they still have a first round pick left. They only they they gave up one of the two first. Round, I don't know if they gave up the least pick or not. I think I read that it was conditional, and they they're going to give up the worst of the two picks. Oh, okay, so, that makes sense. Yeah, so they kept the higher pick. Wow. So, um, yeah, I think Carolina definitely did it really good. I was so surprised that that was all that was required to get Trocek out of Florida. Yeah. Like, Eric Halla, decent player, can play in your middle six, more so a bottom six guy, in yeah. my opinion. Lucas Walmark, a bottom six guy. Actually, I actually do like Lucas Walmark, he's though. Fine. I think he's a pretty decent player. He's, he's good depth. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Like, a good tertiary depth piece. 
but he's not something that you're going to replace Vincent Trocek with. That's saying like they didn't replace Trocek at all, and then Florida's a team. Yeah, that's, no, that was weird. They're going for it, right? Like <laughs> that they, was weird. I, I, if I'm Florida, I'm not parting with my number two centerman down a playoff race when you're neck and neck with the Maple Leafs, right? Right. To like, get in now, he's kind of been knocked down the 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 depth chart a little bit. I think he was pretty much on the third line to be quite honest with you. That being said, like he's just, he's still a really good player and you bring in Eric Hollow, who I guess is the guy who will slot in as technically the, the Vincent Trocek. But as we saw here in Toronto, it's not quite a, a quick switch, right? Like nope. it, Kerfoot's not Kadri, just no. like Halla is not Trocek. And not only that, he's a UFA. Like Halla's a UFA who could leave in the summer. And now you're, you, you're, you have Walmart and two, oh, maybe C prospects, like maybe, maybe a B at best, like B minus. And that's for Trocek, who's legitimate number two center in this league. Yeah. I, I just, I couldn't wrap my head around how much of a steal they truly got for him. And I think that's why Carolina certainly one of the winners of the day. For me, a couple other teams that I want to chat about who I thought did really well, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Did extremely well, picking up Patrick Marlowe for a conditional third. And Patrick Marlowe could become a, a second-round pick if, if they win the Cup, and I don't think that's something they would mind at all. Uh, going out, picking up Connor Sheary as well, bringing him back. He had his best days as a Penguin. They know he works. They know he fits. Uh, and then they also went out and picked up Evan Rodriguez. So they kind of filled out the depth, and... Just a couple of weeks ago, bringing in, they got ahead of the curve and brought in Zucker. Jason Zucker. So I think you, you kind of couple that in. I really like what they did to improve that that offense. Oh, uh, yeah. Their forward depth is way better than it was before the deadline. 100%. Like, way better. And Carolina is one of those teams that shoots right into the conversation uh, for Stanley Cup contenders. Like I think, Yeah, I, I think if there was any team that wasn't in a conversation before that that traded their way to being in the in the conversation – Carolina's up there. It's them. It's Carolina. And to me, when when that trade for Zucker went down, I said the only reason you can get away with trading first-round picks to me at the deadline is if you move yourself from playoff contention to cup contenders. Yeah. And with that trade, they did it, which is why I was okay with it. And then they also added on to it, bringing in Marlo, Shiri, and Rodriguez. So I thought that they did exceptional. Edmonton, too. I thought yeah. did pretty good. Kenny Holland, man, he really has changed not only the culture, but the way this team plays and their on-ice product all in just a few months. Kenny Holland's done an exceptional job at Edmonton, and yesterday getting to work, picking up Mike Green really early, basically a midnight deal for yeah. basically nothing, um, improving that, that back end a little bit. He's not what he was, but he can still provide you some very, very solid minutes if need be. Uh, and then went out and picked up Andreas Athanasiu and Tyler Ennis, who – you know, Ennis picked him up for a fifth-round pick. That's depth. But I think see you, you slot him alongside uh, Connor McDavid. That's just – they're going to blow by people, and it's just going to be two one os all year long. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be such a fun tandem to watch, I think. And they finally have a decent winger who, in my opinion, next to McDavid, could score 25 to 30 goals any given year. I mean, he could just because of the McDavid factor, but I don't think Athanasio is the best player in the world. <laughs> I'm not like it was his career high in goals, fifteen. I think he's better than McDavid. 
I, he's the best I think in the world. I think who was playing on McDavid's wing two days ago? Not uh, Sam Gagne. I think he's a better fit on McDavid's wing than Sam Gagne, but that's not really saying a lot. That's the thing. I think the others did well to add like speed and skill and some skill to their to their winger depth, but also Tyler Ennis and Andreas Athanasio, they're not like the be all end all. They're not like they don't really get you over the hump. It just goes to show how bad the Oilers wingers are. Yeah, they're terrible. You know, if that Andreas Athanasio and Tyler Ennis, they're not like little pieces you add on. They're like those are pretty big. Those are big moves for the Oilers specifically. Where it's like it just goes to show how bad they are. <laughs> well, Beyond, I think you're selling Athanasio short. I am a little bit, but he I scored thirty goals two years ago in Detroit. Did he? Yes. Whatever. So, like, he's legitimately proven that he's a 30-goal scorer. You put him alongside McDavid, I think he's becomes a 30-goal scorer year in and year out. And he's an RFA at the end of the year. So I think uh, they get him locked up long-term, and that's kind of their tandem going forward. Because with McDavid out, it really seems like Dreisaitl, Yamamoto, and Nugent Hopkins have kind of created a, a really good line with really good chemistry yeah. that can provide a secondary – scoring in a secondary line so now you put mcdavid with a fantasy and i guess when zach cassian comes back he'll probably slot on the right side there uh with him and now you're looking okay we got a pretty formidable top six or even james neal when he gets back yeah like you got a pretty formidable top six I, I i like what they're doing out in edmonton i don't think they're quite cup contenders yet but this is a team that they can make like it out of the west they can make the playoffs they can make it out of the west the west they can make it out of their division yeah. I mean, it's going to be tough going against St. Louis, Louis Colorado, Colorado, or Dallas. Dallas. So, but but certainly, like, this is a team that could win their division. And that's something that you wouldn't have said earlier in the season or in the summer. But with, with the way that they played and the additions that they've made, I think Ken Holmes put them into that conversation, which is why I have them as one of the winners of the day. Yeah, no, for sure. They had a they had a good they had a good trade deadline. Yeah. Like there's there's no denying that. Like it was good. Um Losers of the day. Uh, well, I think we kind of discussed how the Leafs were were pretty big losers on that day by kind of standing pat, doing nothing, not improving their team, uh, and kind of signaling to a the guys in the locker room and b the fans in the stands that they just don't believe in this team. Yeah, and to me, that's why they that's are a, that's the ultimate losers. that's the ultimate loser move. Yeah, so <laughs> definitely them. Um, we kind of touched on why I believe Florida are losers because they didn't get much out of Vincent Trocheck. Uh, and just, I think just teams who did non moves. I think there's really only one team who I think had a boneheaded move Is all that- year uh, through the whole thing. And that was probably giving up a first round pick for Barkley Goudreau. Goudreau. Oh, that was ridiculous. <laughs> that, that being said, like, it's probably going to be a late first. And Barkley Goudreau is under contract next year, too, at a super cheap deal. And it just keeps Tampa's window open. And when you're a team like Tampa, like if you're looking to win a couple of cups in the next two years, you know, Blake Coleman, well, yeah, you don't, A, you don't need that first because you're winning cups right now. And you bring in Blake Coleman and Barkley Goudreau to kind of fill out your lineup, like they are lethal, man. Like I, I, this may be one of the deepest teams I've ever seen in my life. In my life. And they were the best team in the last 25 years last year. Yeah. <laughs> they got better. So I just, to me, um, that was a, a boneheaded move 
It was an overpay. That's but, reckless, but I get but it. But it's not costly. Yeah. It was a little reckless, you know I mean? but it, it, it's not going to – the repercussions aren't going to really be there. No. So most of the losers that I have are teams who I've felt um, not so much that they, they gave up too much to get stuff, but more so they didn't make moves to improve their team. So a team like like Nashville, I think, they're back right back in. I think they're, what, two points out of a playoff spot right actually? now? Oh, they're Dude, right they back in. They brutal like two weeks ago. I know, but they made the <laughs> coaching change, and they've been really good. Like, Michael Granlin's picked it up, but Kyle Turris has picked it up. Wow. Like, they're they're actually doing pretty well right now, and they didn't do anything to improve their team, though. So they kind of stay in the course. And it kind of seems ah. like it's a flash in the pan, though. I don't really think they can compete in the Central. Like, I don't think, they I don't can think make anybody the playoffs. Na- they can easily make the playoffs. I don't know. I think Nashville's a good team. They're fine. No. They're, actually, no, here, they're not a good team. They have no goaltending. Pecorino's down. He's done. Dude, Pecorine, isn't a solution. Pecorino can turn it around in a second. Goal scorer Pecorino? Could turn it around in a second. And I think doing nothing for Nashville was, was, was a misstep for me. The Coyotes, they're losers. We can even date it back to, to Taylor Hall. That trade just hasn't worked out. Um, <laughs> Predictably. I don't want to say I predicted that Taylor Hall wouldn't work out because – I hate Taylor Hall. Yeah, it just that, that didn't work I out. I hate Taylor Hall, and I knew it wasn't going to work out. So <laughs> when you're left with losers, like there's not really many losers of this deadline. For for me, I think Colorado had a bit of a misstep. They had a pretty good chance to be like legitimate buyers. Like uh, really, I, I like to pick they picked up Nemesnikov for fine. fourth. I mean, I'm sure they were in on Kreider, and they just settled for Nemesnikov when they find out Kreider was resigning in New York, but. I don't know. I felt like Colorado had a decent chance to to really add to a really good team and make a decent run. But uh, I, even then, like nothing really crazy happened. No, it wasn't like a crazy deadline, which is fine, I guess. I'd prefer it to be a crazy deadline, but it's not the end of the world. I would say the only, other than Barkley Goudreau, the only trade where I was like, you gave up that much, was uh, the Islanders and what they gave up for Pajot. A first, a second, and a third for Pajot. It's, it's the Tartar deal. It's the Tartar deal, but I think Tartar is a better player. And Pajot? Like Tatar, yeah. I don't think Tatar is a better player than Pajot. I think Pajot is a decent, decent no, centerman. Tatar is a legitimate top six goal scorer. Pajot is a third line, all around pretty good player, but he's a third line center. You can fit in your, you can fit in, you can be a number two centerman on some teams. Yeah, on bad teams. The Islanders like Ottawa. Bad, the Islanders aren't a bad team. He's their second line center. Who else do they have? Barzell. Barzell, Sezikis, and there's another left shot guy. They have no, but they have no offense. Yeah. So you're not, you're not. It doesn't mean they're not a. They're still right, a good but, team. But if you were a team who's looking to make a run at the playoffs, like on a playoff team, I don't think. Or why wouldn't you? Add, why wouldn't you want to add a guy that that fits your that fits your system pretty well? Because I think I think. That's what the Islanders. I don't are have an issue right? with them adding Pajot, but giving up a first, a second, and a third to me is absurd. Like I was, I thought that they were crazy for getting a, wanting to even ask for a first round pick for Peugeot. Because you saw what happened last year when they traded away Ryan Dezingle. You had a top six player who was in Ottawa who was performing like a top six player because he was given the minutes. But then when he went to a good team where he wasn't getting those minutes, he fell off a cliff and was healthy scratched in the playoffs when yeah. he went to Columbus. But Pajot's different, though. Pajot's different, but you still have that in the back of your mind. Like, okay, Pajot, and you say he's different, but he's not really that different because this is the first time he's exceeded 20 goals 
like in his career. No, but he's had he's had other successes in Ottawa too. Like that play when they went on a playoff run, he scored four goals, including the overtime yeah. winner in like a game seven in the first round, didn't he? One playoff round. He didn't. Uh, I'm pretty yeah, sure he one, had a Fordle game to to send like who was it? Home Montreal, maybe. I don't remember. Oh, oh it was Boston. That's, it might have been Boston. Yeah. yeah. But like. I don't know. He's proven he can be a successful piece and a useful, useful addition to a lot of teams. Um, and they're also separate. The the picks are also over different years too. Yeah, like that. It's like one, like the first is this year, the second's next year, and the third. But it's is not even. After, it's but, not even like protected. It's top three protected. But the Islanders aren't even a sure bet to make the playoffs. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I would have went the not protected route. I feel like, like you could have easily gotten that draft pick totally protected. But. I don't know. To me, this was an absolute steal for Pajot. Like. No, it's a good haul. It's a good haul for Pajot. Pajot, look at Pat. Who would you rather, Pajot or Trocheck? Trocheck. There's my point. <laughs> right? And Trocheck, yeah. you got basically nothing for, and then for Pajot, they got an absolute haul. Now, the Islanders also went and extended him to a contract, which is part of the reason why they got a, a lot for him. But that being said, like, hey, that's that that was a big contract. Six years, five million. I mean, I, I get it. He's only, what, 27 years old, so be 33 at the end of the contract. But, man, ah, that's a lot for me. That was a lot for me. It was a – yeah, I agree it was a, it was a much. It was a bit much, but I, I also – Here's I, the question. I can I – can, if I'm the Islanders, I can stomach that. Like, I question. can definitely stomach that. No, here's the question, right? What did I say earlier? The only way, if I'm a team, the only way I'm trading first-round picks is if it moves the needle. From playoff contender to cup contender. Does that happen for the Islanders? No. Does it even move them from wildcard contender to sure bet in the playoffs? No. So why do you move an unprotected first round pick for what? If it doesn't move the needle. You shouldn't. That's not even including another second rounder on top of that. <laughs> uh I don't know. It's a Columbus type move, man. It's a Columbus move at the deadline last year. That's what. That's what. It, that's what it is, right? Not it's the, the honors same. trying to. No, it's the exact same. It's the exact same thing. It's Columbus at the deadline last year trying to hedge their bets a little bit, secure themselves into the playoff spot, which I think they did. I think they will make a wild card. They'll make the wild card like they're them. Like cause I think they they didn't jump over Carolina, Pittsburgh, or Washington. I think those guys pretty much solidified themselves as the top three teams in the Metro at the deadline, but. I think the Islanders are four. They're they're better than the Flyers. They're better than Columbus. Are they better than the Flyers? Yeah. I don't know if they're better than the Flyers. They're better than the Flyers. I don't know. No, I do know. They're better than the Flyers. Well, they're currently not better than the Flyers. They're a better team than the Flyers are. Yeah, we'll agree to disagree on that point. But I I like to me that haul that they gave up for Pajot, although, yeah, you're adding a good player to your team, but when you look at what you gave up, that's a loss for me. That's why they are my losers of the deadline. Classic Lou Lamorella deal, eh? Also, did you hear about that weird swap that ended up getting nixed? But like the, the Parisian Andrew Ladd one. Yeah, yeah, that weird. was weird. I I was really surprised. The insider started talking about it. I was like, "That's a weird random yeah, trade." Super may, strange. Like it's it's pretty fitting to Lou Lamorella's character. But all right, we're gonna wrap this up here quickly. Uh, the only other puzzling move I thought for me was Wayne Simmons to Buffalo for a fifth round pick. 
yeah, whatever. I, know. <laughs> like, I don't know. Oh, somewhat puzzling. Uh, <laughs> I think realistically, they have a fifth round pick for a locker room presence is what I'm chalking that up to. Although they're only six points out of playoff spot as we sit here right now with the game in hand. That said, they got a few teams that they got to leapfrog. I don't see it happening. Uh, lastly, has your cup pick changed with the deadline? Like even... Coming into the year, who was your team to win the cup, and has it changed since? <laughs> okay, so as a Leafs fan. <laughs> okay, so you had Toronto. <laughs> I, had, I had a Colorado-Toronto cup final, because I oh. thought it would be funny to see Nazem Kadri play the Leafs in the cup final. You know, though, it was conceivable at the beginning of the year that that could happen. So, yes, my opinion on that has changed. All right, so what's your cup pick now after the um, I could Honestly, I, I still think Colorado is a good shot. As, as good a shot as anyone to make it out of the West. Like Dallas has kind of showed me they can they can be up there too. So I, I could see a world where Dallas usurps the uh, the throne over Colorado, but mm-hmm. I also still think it's Colorado. Like they're the best team in the West in my opinion. Um, and the East it's it's hard to it's hard to pick because I think Tampa's probably ready to make a run. Like I, I, they they seem like a team. They they look to me like a team that's not gonna get swept in the first round of the playoffs for the second time in a row. Yeah, so Tampa's like, Tampa's big, but then also like that, the Metro division, uh, like the first couple rounds in the Metro division is gonna be, ex- like amazing. Like, oh yeah, so excited to watch it. Like the round two match between Pittsburgh and Washington. Oh, it's gonna be so fun to watch. So yeah. fun to watch, man. And and I, man. I think Washington probably has – they might have what it takes to to get back there. Yeah. Like Dude, I, I there's, kinda there's four have Washington teams, moved up a little bit. There's four teams in the East, maybe five if you include Carolina now, that can really just like – they could maybe do some – they could do some damage. Yeah, like Boston worries me for Carolina. Especially yeah. like Mrazic's down, Reimer's down. I think they're playing like their third string. Nadelkovich like, and Forsberg. Yeah, so I mean but, for however long they have to ride that out for – We'll see what happens. Like they're still in a race for a playoff spot. Like they're not even in a playoff spot right now. So they they've got to pick it up. However, if they can win a game with David Ayers as their goaltender, they can win with anybody. They can win with anybody. <laughs> so we'll leave that right there. And uh, since we have to talk about it, we'll come back on the other side. We'll quickly chat that game and tee up tonight's game against Tampa. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Lease Podcast. All right, part three of this one underway. Uh, Mike DeSefano with you. Uh, also alongside me is Brandon Cameron. Man, all right, so we got to talk about it. Uh, Saturday night's loss to the Zamboni driver. The David Ayers game, as it's now being referred to as. Um, we kind of discussed it earlier in the podcast, but probably rock bottom. The most embarrassing defeat in Leafs history. Yeah. And it cost them Zach Bogosian, apparently. I don't, don't know if you saw that, but apparently... that That's what, what got the Leafs out. They were like, I'm out. Well, I forget who it was, but I was listening to, like, deadline coverage, and somebody had said that Bogosian was pretty well set to go to Toronto, and then that game happened. <laughs> And all of a sudden, he was like, maybe this isn't the spot I want to go. (laughs) I'm going to Tampa now. (laughs) So whether or not whoever made that report, and I just can't remember who it was, 
is lying, but it was a former player, so I think probably not, uh, is lying, or that game really, really put a wrinkle into uh, not only could you, Dubas's plans, but Bogosian's plans going forward. Could you imagine being a player around the NHL that, like, that saw that game happen and just you had like the chuckles behind closed doors with your teammates about it and then getting traded to the Leafs the next day? <laughs> <laughs> like, that would just be... The worst. That'd be the worst. Yeah, well, it could be worse, you know? You could be... You know who? I, you know what makes me feel really bad about this game? Uh, this Carolina game? I feel for Jack Campbell and Kyle Clifford. Like, I really do. They just joined this team, and they got to deal with this crap. Well, like, I mean, at least they're to play off. I don't feel bad for them at all. Oh, no, I do. I just, especially Jack Campbell. That's my son. Jack Campbell's literally my son. Well, I... I they're a playoff race, man. It's a lot better than being in LA. Who's is it though? Not playing. Would you rather? Would you rather not? Honestly, if I do, the Leafs care about that? Okay, Saturday night specifically. That's the thing. No, did the Leafs care about that though? Like, there, it doesn't seem like they care that they're in a playoff race. Like, to be honest with you, where's the where's the urgency about the Maple Leafs? Well, all right, dude. A a back up. Time out. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You're gonna tell me that Jack Campbell, who's played his ass off since the moment he's got here, doesn't care? No, I'm telling you, he does care, but I feel bad for him. That's why. He's the only one that does. Kyle Clifford doesn't care? Yeah, no. That's what I'm saying. They're the only guys that care. Zach Hyman doesn't care? No, Zach Hyman cares. He's a sweet little boy. I All like right. Zach Hyman. There you go. He's the one that, you can see it on his face, man. Even even Austin Matthews, you can tell he cares, too. Like Look, I've never. They all care, okay? They, they all care. Whether or not you want to believe it, let's be honest here. They got embarrassed Saturday night. And you saw, like, I don't know if you saw what Mitch Marner said after the game, but he, he flat out says it's the worst game I've ever played he's, in my life. He's pretty upset. Like, you could, you could physically see how upset he was, too. Like, worst game of his life. Not as a pro, but of his life. Like, yeah. he, when he was in London, uh, when he was in, in Midget, like, that was the worst game, in his opinion, that he's ever played. Yeah, that checks out. And it does. He was he awful. Was brutal. Absolutely awful. And he cares. Like, he truly cares. And tonight against Tampa, like, they have to respond. I mean, you, see, you saw the uproar from Leafs Nation after last week's loss against Pittsburgh on Tuesday. And they responded to it with a great win, 4 nothing shutout on Thursday and a home-and-home against Pittsburgh. Can they respond from this dud of a performance? Calling it a dud is even too nice. Yeah, this blasphemous performance. Can they recover from it and play well tonight in Tampa? They don't even need to get the win, but they have to have a respectable, like three-two hockey game, and they need to like control play. Like, just they really do need a response game tonight, and playing Tampa is probably. The worst thing that they could have. Oh, asked there's for. nothing. There's no. There's no worse scenario for the Maple Leafs to come out of that game against Carolina to have to play Tampa. Ugh, I hate. Okay, here's the thing. I don't really, as a Leafs fan, I don't really care what they do tonight. I'm so pissed off at them. I'm so mad that they decided to lay that egg with a playoff race on the line where you're basically given two points that the Leafs didn't take advantage of like literally screw them Uh, like literally screw them who do they think they are hold on against a team like Carolina who 
you are battling for a wild card spot with. There's no, absolutely no excuse for you to be able to to go into that game and be like, oh, I'm going to mail it in tonight. Like, what are you talking about? And even when they were mailing it in, they were only down 3-1 at the time, right? Yep. They got outscored 3-2 to with a stupid Zamboni driver in net. They gave up, like, 10 breakaways in the first, like, five minutes of this guy going into net. And you're, like, you're sitting there watching. You're, like, what are these guys doing? Granted, Carolina played their hearts out that game. They played their asses off that game. And I don't think they play, like, it was as if it was game seven of a Stanley Cup final. 100%. They played the best game I've seen this year. There's no denying that. Like, Carolina played the perfect hockey game. They suffocated the Leafs. They weren't allowing them, let alone break into theirs. They couldn't get. They couldn't even break into the neutral zone. I know. Like they were trying to chip it over their own blue line, and they were getting sent right back in. Carolina locked it down, and you got to give them full credit because they could have easily just folded too, Dude. right? Like I, when I saw Rob Brindamore's oh face God. when his goalies went down, like I was like. Oh, these guys might mail it in. And then I saw the Hurricanes talking to David Ayer, and I was like, these guys are likable. Like, these guys, I have, I'm genuinely rooting for them because screw Toronto. Screw them. They don't deserve they don't deserve the love and respect to be a team in the playoff race right now. Just because how do you how do you wake up Saturday night and hockey night in Canada and have that kind of performance against your own team Zamboni driver? I know. A guy you pay. The Leafs paid for that loss. <laughs> like, how dare they? Like, and here's the thing. I understand. I understand how annoying it would be to be the Leafs in this situation, too. Like, in, and that's a very real thing in this as well. The Leafs have to play their Zamboni driver. Have to play their backup. Their backup. Uh, he practices with them, right? Yeah. Like, they know this guy. They know him on a personal level, right? That I'd imagine the Leafs don't want to embarrass this guy for half a game, right? There's no way they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to embarrass this guy that I kind of like. Like, I, I get it. But also, you have to. <laughs> like, I, like whether or not, like, whether or not you, you want to do something or not, they had to, and they didn't. Yeah, they just didn't perform, man. Like, it, it, you're almost out of words. When you try and talk about it, like for example, so my my dad's not the biggest, like he's not a he's not a hockey fan at all, like he's not a sports guy. When I was trying to explain to him how this game went down and what happened, like he couldn't. He's like, "What do you mean they lost to a Zamboni driver?" <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Oh, so like what was did this guy like? Was he a retired NHL goalie?" I'm like, "No, no, 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 no. He uh, plays beer league. He played beer league. He no, he was a uh, he played junior junior B. Oh, nice. Oh, what? Uh, oh, so like like minor leagues? No, like when he was like oh, 22, played for like the Niagara Falls Canucks. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, oh, like legit Canucks? Like no, but like that level of hockey." And he's just like, and the Leafs lost to him. I was like, yeah, he that, yeah. They he did. also he also didn't look good. <laughs> no, but like they, they well, Carolina limited him to what ten shots. Yeah, like, and honestly, none of them were quality shots. No, <laughs> like like that Tavares goal was brutal. He's, yeah, right along the end. Like the thing is, like they gave him nothing. 
Like they suffocated him, and they they played their asses off for this guy. They earned it, man. They earned that win, and that's 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 a one in a million chance story that that's ever going to happen again. Like last night, I don't know if you saw, but in the game against Ottawa and, and Columbus, Merzlikens went down, and the emergency backup goaltender. So he got his stuff and he went from the press box down to the locker room and he was ready to go. He was raring to go. Raring to go. He was ready to go in case he came in. Obviously, uh, Corpusallo didn't get hurt, so he didn't have to go in. But this isn't something we're gonna, we're going to see again for a long time. I don't think. Oh no, probably like, never. Not honestly in this way, probably never again. He had to play half the game. Dude. He recorded a win. He like playing he, half the game. Like. This game should have been the 10-5, like, final. Do you think Do you think a part Bruce of it... should have scored 10 goals on this guy. All 10 shots should have went into the back of the net. You know what's kind of funny to me? The fact that he let in two goals allowed him to get the win. <laughs> yeah. Like Because uh, he, he would have got the win anyways he finished the game. Is that how it works? I thought it, sure, was, yeah. I thought it was the goaltender with the... That gives the game winning goal. This on the ice for the game winning goal counts as the win. Uh, I thought I thought that was the rule, but it also I think that the might only apply to losses. Then that might only apply to losses. Yeah, but it does okay. But regardless, it's still like, kind of funny. His stick going to the Hall of Fame. It's a story that he'll be able to tell his kids, his grandkids. Um, it's it's something that Leafs fans will always refer to as. The Zamboni game, like the David Ayers game, uh, like five years down the road, we're gonna look back on on Saturday, which is what February. At that point, was it what was Saturday? February twenty third, twenty second, twenty second, and be like, oh, it's the five year anniversary of the David Ayers game. Like it's it's gonna be a black mark on in Maple Leafs history. Silver lining though is is it gives the Maple Leafs reason to to. To prove us wrong, right? Like it gives them, it gives them. I'm sick of that narrative though, because all I, season long they've they've needed to prove us wrong. Yeah, but they, maybe they needed something dramatic. Maybe they just needed something dramatic to happen. Outside of that eight game stretch, right around the Christmas break, they really have not put together any type of consistent, solid effort at all. They put forth an amazing 60 minute effort Thursday night, got a four nothing shutout against the Pittsburgh Penguins, Cup contenders the Pittsburgh Penguins, and then came back the very next game two days later and did that? Shame on them. Like, you like, can't put forth a string of games. This team cannot put forward a string of games, and that is why they are in the position that they're in right now. Screw them, man. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. Like, at, at the end of the day, screw, screw them. But in... The same thing applies from them to us too, right? For them, they can be like, screw us. We're just going to be good. So now's the time for the Maple Leafs to yeah, screw the media, screw the fans, and actually be the team they're supposed to be yeah. down the stretch. Like, now, there's no there's no gray area here. This is what they got to do. They have to – they need to come out this week. They need to be – they have to beat Florida on Thursday. Yeah. Like, they're, they – that's an – you can't. There's no scenario where you can lose that game. I'm almost at the point now where I can look at that game against Florida and say whoever wins that game specifically makes playoffs. Makes the playoffs. Yeah. Like it's almost at that point. It's I know we still there. have like basically two months to go. And another game against Florida too. But we're basically at that point. Yeah. Where a loss to Florida again would just be 
so devastating. Yeah. They lost to Florida without Barkov like a month ago. Yeah. Like how and did they lose got, to Florida without Barkov? And then they got lit up the other uh, a couple months ago in Florida. Yeah. Like what they need to win those games. There's yeah. no they're they have to. It's a big weekend coming up for the Leafs. Big week, uh, big week, I should say. They got Tampa tonight, Florida on Thursday. Both games, they need to play well. They need to respond uh, after that embarrassing, embarrassing outing on Saturday. Screw that, man. And uh, <laughs> Muzzin, he's got a brand new contract, so he's going to go out there and hopefully he plays well after earning himself that new deal. No new Leafs, maybe Rosen, but they didn't do anything at the deadline, so. I bet Rosen gets in a game or two. Yeah, I think he will. I think he gets in a game or two this week. I think he will. Uh, All right. Well, all right. First of all, before we head out, I need you to give me a prediction on what's going to happen. Win or lose tonight against Tampa. Oh, they're going to get blown out. They're going to smoke, and I'm going to be so angry. (laughs) Uh, I think they're going to lose, too, but not because (laughs) they're going to play terribly. I mean, they probably won't put together a 60-minute effort because they just don't know how, apparently. But I think Tampa will end up with the win. Uh, All right, we got a jet. We're up at like an hour here, so we got to take off. Uh, That's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Brandon at B underscore Cameron 222. Be sure to check back in here tomorrow. We'll be recapping the game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. But until then, keep locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.